City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Hornets Draft Show. It is Summer League preview time. Summer League is almost upon us. I'm packing my bags because I'm going. And joining me this week is my normal co-host, Chase Whitney. And joining us for the first time, Laquan Robinson, Moss Art on Twitter. You have not heard from him yet on our podcast network, but you will be this year. And... uh, Firstly, Laquan, thanks a lot for coming on. Great to have you. No, I appreciate you for having me on, James. It's been a, it's a pleasure dealing with y'all, and it's really exciting to work with y'all on Sports Illustrated, you know, and I'm just really excited to get all of this started. Um, to be honest with you, it's just a dream. I mean, I really enjoy the Hornets, so I, I could talk about them all the time. So this is going to be fun. And Chase, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. We're about 24 hours away from our first Hornets summer league game. First time the purple and teals back on the court for like almost three or two, three months. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Yeah. It's going to be a good show. I'm looking forward to it. What we've got in line for you today is we're just going to do some kind of opening general thoughts on the roster and uh, the coaching staff for summer league. We're going to be looking at the six most interesting points to look out for, and they can be about players or anything else for summer league. And then we'll just be finishing off with some fun predictions and then closing the podcast off. So um, that's the plan for today. Before we get too deep into our topics, uh, Laquan, we just want to let listeners know uh, a little bit about you. How did you start following the team? Um, I mean, I I know some of your podcast and YouTube stuff you've been doing in the past, but yeah, it'd be great to give people a bit of an intro and also 
let you know kind of some of your hopes and plans maybe for coverage this upcoming year? Uh, so, yeah, James, definitely. I'm, I go by Mozart, as you mentioned on Twitter. So a lot of people know me. I just, I'm putting out a lot of funny clips and just different things comedy wise of the Hornets to try and bring some more attention to the team. But other than that, I just like to cover all the games. I've been covering the Greensboro Swarm and um, I spent a lot of time in Greensboro watching the young players play and just, you know, kind of really getting a feel for them. I got a chance to attend a lot of practices and things like that. So I feel like, you know, I'm getting really in tune with some of the younger players on this team. Um, but just all in all about me personally, uh, I love basketball in all aspects. I'm always watching basketball. I'm always reading about it. So, um, you know, I'm a real basketball junkie, uh, a father and a husband first and foremost. So, you know, I really care about my family and, um, you know, enjoy doing things like that. But as far as with y'all and just the thing that we're building here, I just can't really wait to start talking about Greensboro more and diving more into the players in Greensboro, um, really giving y'all a feel for what's going on in the Swarm. And we're going to launch a Swarm podcast as well, where I really get deep into it and um, discuss kind of the intricacies that's going on in the team. So I'm really excited to get that started with y'all. And um, of course, I'm, I'm going to uh, come up here as much as possible to discuss things with y'all with the Hornets. So this should be a fun season upcoming. Thank you for having me again, though. Yes, sir. And that's exactly why I want you to have come on for this show, because we know the overlap between the Summer League roster and the Greensboro Swarm roster can be pretty significant. And you can already see that through the coaching staff, which are on the Swarm, some of the players that are on the Swarm. So it'll be great to get your insight on some of the guys like Jalen Crutcher, Cam McGriff, um, you know, some of the other guys uh, on the team as well. And then also it'd be good to get for you be able to get to see them ahead of this upcoming Greensboro Swarm season, where you'd imagine some of those guys are going to be back as well. So um, it's great to have you. For for those who don't know, uh, you might miss that I'm going to be going. I'm traveling to Vegas Summer League, um, and I've got credentials. So woohoo, go me! I'll be looking forward to that. Um, but I'm also getting married while I'm there, so it's not just an all basketball trip. I'm getting married, and then I'm off on a West Coast road trip. So I'm out July. Essentially, this is my last all Hornets piece of work podcast I'm doing. After this, I'm gone for July. So Laquan and Chase are going to be holding you down on the Hornets draft show while I'm away. Um, I'm excited to listen in and hear what them talking about the games while I'm kind of there in person to see if they see the same things. So uh, Laquan or Chase will be holding you down through July. And like you say, we'll definitely have you back on throughout the season to get your inputs and all things Swarm because it's as we've seen in this Hornets roster, you've just seen Cody Martin, who spent a lot of time in Greensboro in his rookie year, has just signed a $32 million contract. So it is an important part of this development pathway for this franchise. If anybody listening to this podcast is also going to be in Summer League, by the way, really quick, I challenge you to find James and take a picture with him and send it to us on Twitter. Come to the wedding. Why not? So, you know? yeah, yeah, there we go. Might as well, too. Yeah, 11.30 a.m., the lucky little chapel on the 10th. That's the morning of the Hornets-Lakers game. Uh, anyone is welcome. It would be weird that a podcast listener could come and not my family there. But let's, do, <laughs> let's get weird. Let's get weird. Um, yeah, no, I'd love to hear some, some people from the podcast. That'd be absolutely awesome. That'd be really cool. So, um, okay, let's let's move on to some kind of o- opening thoughts, really. I mean, I think, Laquan, let's go straight to you. When you saw the, the overall roster come out and the, the coaching team come out for this, there was a pretty strong Greensboro tinge there to, to a lot of it. Uh, and, anything kind of catch your eye there? Or do you like that they're getting a lot of the Greensboro guys back involved from last year? 
Um, yeah, I actually do think it's a really good idea for them to get the Greensboro Swarm players involved in the squad. And my reasoning for that is because they really preach that development system. And throughout the years, they have managed to get some of these players to come on, you know, and, and play on the Hornets and actually manage to play meaningful minutes. Um, you just mentioned Cody Martin, but there's been countless other players that have gone to other teams and made contracts as well. So I think that it'll be really exciting to see some of the main players that were uh, considered Greensboro Swarm players like Jalen Crutcher or some of these other players actually get to see if they can play point guard on a higher level with some of the um, with some developing, excuse me, with some developing talent. So I'm really just excited to see the whole team in, in general just get down there and play. Um, I know you're going to be excited on the sideline, so I can't wait to see it. I am incredibly excited to watch this team get out there. And I especially think I agree with everything that Laquan said about the development standpoint. Like if you're going to find a point guard for the Greensboro Swarm, like it's probably going to happen during these two weeks. Like every other G League team, they want solid players too. If you need a point guard that you have for that, because obviously that was kind of the problem with the team last year and with the summer league squad when James Booknight had to play a lot of point guard and, it didn't always look that great at some points, but if you, if you want to get one of those guys in your system and have him around so that if you need to, you can sign him to a 10 day, or, you know, if a two way opens up at some point, you can sign him to that. Like, I think this is a good time to get that guy in the system and kind of ingratiate them now, especially because it's like, you know, it, it's a, the more, the most competitive environment they're going to be in until the actual first game of the G league season. Yeah, and what I think is really interesting is you've got Seren Camp who will have embedded a similar system to Borrego in the Hornets. They ran very similar systems offensively, defensively. You've now got Steve Clifford, and I think um, uh, he even said, uh, Seren Camp during media availability of the day, that like Steve Clifford is very involved. Um, like He's at all the practices. And you've got the same coach now preaching a, probably a pretty different style from what we know. I know offensively there might be some similarities, but defensively, there's definitely going to be some changes. So I'm really interested to see how that's just strange for a guy to like go from coaching one way to one team and then coming in and there's a guy at his practices involved coaching as well, but you're the head coach of the summer league team. It's, it's just quite a challenging dynamic, which will be interesting to see how Jordan Serenkamp manages that and, and how effectively they're able to communicate the message to the, to the players. Agree. And I actually think that it's going to be interesting to see um, if they're really leaning into this defensive philosophy. Are they going to be able to, you know, provide that same offensive punch on the opposite end? I know Clifford is really big on defensive rebounding, and that's always been a staple on his teams. So I just find it hard to see how they're going to play that uh, fast pace and be on the defensive rebounds at the same time. I I'm interested to see where that where they're going to find that balance. No, it I, seems I, like a it seems like a sorry, James, it seems like a lot of the coaches that are going to be um, in Vegas are not like holdovers from the Borrego staff, but guys that were either with the swarm already or were assistants under James Borrego. Like Nick Friedman's going to be there, well known uh, on, on this podcast and among Hornet circles for being one of the main coaches that helped develop Jalen McDaniels and Caleb Martin, uh, along with Cody Martin as well. Uh, Danielle Marshall is going to be there, former NBA player, and he was an assistant with Greedsboro. And then obviously, Sharon Camp is the head coach of the Swarm, and he's going to be and Norm Richardson coaching. too. Yeah, and Norm. So a lot, a lot of guys that mm. you know, and like we said, a lot of players have already played in Greensboro, so there's going to be some familiarity there. Um, 
between the players and the coaches for the most part anyway. And then a lot of the new guys are veterans for the most part. Like I think they only, they have three, uh, un, yeah, three undrafted rookie free agents. So uh, I think that, you know, they, they did a good job of blending like experimental talent, uh, both of them on the coaching staff and on the roster and getting players that can actually help them, you know, have a high floor in this tournament. Yeah, and I, I think it's interesting. You're beginning to see the assistant coach of the Hornet structure, beginning to see that become a little clearer now. So you've got Norm Richardson, Friedman, uh, who are essentially still with the team. Seren Camp was with Greensboro. He's still there. They're, they're all back, essentially. Jay Triano has gone and taken a role, I think, maybe with the Kings, I want to say, or he's, he's moved somewhere. Dutch Gately, I saw a confirmation by Richie Randall of Buzzbeat Radio the other day that he's not going to be combat, which I think means now we've still got questions about Jay Hernandez and Marlon Garnett, who I've not seen reported anywhere that they are that are in or out. They're not part of the Hornets Summer League squad. I've not seen the catch on anywhere else yet. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. I think they're the kind of last two, which feels like they are maybe uncommitted yet. Um, but yeah, I, I saw a photo of the practice of the day, actually. I, th I thought I saw a guy that, that could be Jay Hernandez, but it's like really blurry. And I was like, well, he's just kind of short and bald. And I don't know if I'm just typecasting, but he could be Jay Hernandez for that reason. Um, okay. <laughs> just so, just to, to everyone aware, we're having some technical difficulties with a, a camera here. So I think we're trying to let each other come in or out here. So sorry if there's a little bit of delay. Um, right, let's move on. We, that's kind of our, our general overthoughts of the coaching. Let's get into the, the meat of this podcast. Three most interesting points that each of us kind of are, are looking out for. So, sorry, six. Uh, we're going to do two each. We're going to go in order. Uh, Laquan, do you want to start us off here? What, what's one of the things you're most looking forward to or interested to see in this uh, Vegas Summer League campaign? Um, I'm looking at the, one of the things that I'm most interested to see in this uh, upcoming Summer League is Kai Jones' development. Um, I know a lot of the fan base is really excited about Kai. I know a lot of the fan base is really, um, you know, they're looking forward to see what kind of growth he's made. And I just see just watching him in Greensboro last year in a development month after month. Um, he's improved throughout the entire season and he's improved entirely fast since he started. I mean, he's only been playing basketball for what, five or six years. So it's amazing to see, you know, some of the growth that he's made over this small amount of time that just just. Um, the the highlight videos that he's posting and just to know that he's constantly working, it really just likens me to Kai Jones and I've become an extreme fan. So that's one of the things that I'm most intrigued to see. Um, I, I really think that the 18 and 11 that he averaged last year in a G League, it stands out to me because a lot of people don't realize that he was really he was top in the G League and field goal percentage for two point um, two point shots as well. So Everything that he was doing throughout the entire season, there was improvements, but he started at a good basis. So I'm really, I'm really um, intrigued to see what he's going to do coming up. Yeah, and I think the the fan base was already excited about um, Kai Jones, and then he had within two days he had the the quote that nobody can guard me, um, <laughs> and then he looked absolutely freaking massive in one of these photos, and like. The Hornets photographer just put like a Kai Jones buff fest on like four different photos out there. I think that got people really excited for Kai Jones. I mean, look, um, the amount of players who said nobody can guard me, probably at like your local YMCA, probably happens all the time. So I don't think we should overreact too much. And that might be saying more about Brady Manick's defense than Kai Jones's offense, maybe. Um, but... <laughs> but 
you know, it, it is going to be fun to watch. He did finish the season really well. Chase, what do you make of this move to power forward? It, it really seems like from his comments, Rankham comments, that they're going to be trying him more at power forward in this summer league. Um, what are your thoughts on that? So when he was a prospect and before the Hornets had drafted him, I kind of was of the opinion that he's more of a strict five. And if you're going to really take advantage of like the shot blocking instincts and the length and athleticism that he has, he should be just be the biggest guy on the court, protect the rim, use that length and athleticism to deter opponents from getting into the paint. But I think that with how quick he showed he can be with the ball in his hands at times last year, I mean, in the open court, obviously he's, I mean, he's a high jumper. He's a former track runner. Like he, he's extremely fast when he has space and uh, can just jump up. It probably hit his head on the ceiling if he really wanted to. But I think in the half court, especially, he showed a lot of ability to not necessarily create his own offense, but just make plays. And if he can just build off of that and eventually become somebody that can create a little bit of offense off the dribble and is a consistent threat from three, then I mean I think he's going to be a really good player, and if those are if that's his skill set, then I think that's a much better fit at the four than at the five, honestly. So I think I've definitely changed my mind on that uh, a little bit, like a year or two ago, or not two years ago, like a year or six months ago. I probably would have just said um he should be a five, but I think I like the the experiment now. You see, I'm torn, right? Because they played him as the five the whole of the last season. And now going into summer league, all of a sudden it's like a position shift again. He like he played went from playing the four at Texas to the five at Greensboro to now playing the four again. I think the, I don't know if this is because of the Miles Bridges situation. I don't know if this is because of the Mark Williams selection and how they think the roster is going to go. I don't know if this is because Steve Clifford likes positional size and we remember times of Cody Zeller and Frank Kaminsky playing the four and he is a very different player to both those uh, guys, but. Nonetheless, it is, you know, non-traditional, well, more traditional fours playing power forward. So I, I don't quite know the reason for it. I'm not going to make a judgment until I see it. Uh, but if it doesn't go well, I do feel like the Hornets haven't maybe given him the clearest route in terms of a development pathway. Um, I still want to see him some time at the five at Summer League so we can try and have a look at him in both. But I just worry if he's got the, the like to play the four in the modern NBA, you like need to be able to pass, dribble, and shoot essentially, um, unless you're absolutely elite defensively. And I like we we saw flashes of that, but not enough that I would see him as a full time NBA four last year. But he could absolutely have made strides, and and I really hope he he has. Lequan, do you think Kai playing power forward? Do you think that's something he can take to naturally? Yeah, I think it's something that he'll have to develop on. Um, I definitely think he has the lateral quickness to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, but with with the way his three-point shooting um, was looking, I think he's going to have to improve that a lot to be able to play at the four because otherwise the, it's going to be too clogged inside of the paint. Especially um, that, next to someone, sorry, especially next to someone like Williams or Plumley, because exactly. you're playing them next to non, it's not like you're playing next to uh, I don't know, Spencer Hawes, who could like stretch the floor. Like you're you're playing him against two non-shooters already. So if he can't stretch the floor, you then got two front court players. That is going to be just one crowded lane for Melly driving into the lanes. Exactly. And he has a lot of improvement to doing that in. So I think that, you know, if he if he develops more of a driving game and they can kick it to him, he knows how to pump fake maybe and get somebody close. He's going to have to give the threat of the three point shot. Otherwise, it's not going to happen. He's not going to be able to put minutes on the court. And I really think that's going to be a conundrum that the, that the Hornets are going to come into. 
because they're really going to have to decide what are they going to do with those big men and what are they going to do with those forward minutes. And um, hopefully one of these younger big men are able to step up and, and play some meaningful minutes this upcoming season. But I really think it's a long stretch to really hope for one of them to do it, you know, this very upcoming season. So, yeah. So when I when I first heard that he was looking at playing major power forward, I thought in my head, which which are the players in the NBA that play power forward with like a similar skill set as Kai Jones? And off the top of my head, I was really struggling to think of any. And that made me worry. And then I went through today while prepping for this and I found some names and I'm going to share them with you. And it'll be interesting to see which of you both feel like is maybe most uh, accurate for Kai. So the names I've got is Brandon Clark with Memphis, Obi Toppin with the Knicks, Chris Boucher with the Toronto Raptors, and Jared Vanderbilt, who's just been traded to the Utah Jazz. Um, Chase, which of those names? Do you think any of those names is like a good model for what Kai could look like as a, as a four? Um. I think Chris Busher is probably pretty close. Uh, maybe like someone like John, obviously not as good, but someone like John Collins, maybe. He he, he made my short list and I crossed him out. But I, yeah, I, I, probably, I but that uh, that it. might be like like too too good, like too aspirational for you know for what is his first season playing the four. So I but I think so, maybe somewhere like in between those guys because I think he has a little bit more ball skills than Chris Busher will, but is I mean he's and he's also bigger than. Uh, what John Collins would where is right now, but I, if I mean if this works though, like I I think the the defense for the Hornets is going to take a massive leap forward, having two players that are that big and can protect the rim that well, able to play in the front court at the same time. Laquan, any of those guys jump out to you? I hate I hate to piggyback y'all, but Boucher definitely is a good pick. I think, um, you know, his body type, the way that he handles the ball, the way that he's able to switch on defense. I think if Kai can fit into a mold like that and then just increase that three point shot a little bit, it would be perfect for what the um, Hornets are going to need. So, yeah, I think Boucher is a good fit. OK, Chase, what is the next thing that you are looking out for in Summer League? All right, so we're going to talk about both of the rookies, but we're going to talk about the second round pick first because I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, for the, typical the, Chase the, fashion. The, yeah, the, straight exactly. in with Bryce McGowan. <laughs> the, the, four, the 40th overall pick is is what is most important here. But yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see Bryce McGowan's, and I want to see specifically whether or not uh, like the downhill speed and burst that he showed in college and the ability to generate free throws is going to translate. Uh, against NBA competition and you know you, you can't take too much from summer league but you also can it's not like you can take nothing so I mean if he comes out uh, and is drawing a ton of free throws uh, may, maybe gets a game where he draws you know seven or eight or something like that that would make me feel really good for his prospects going forward because that's like a main part of his game uh, and his mechanics as a shooter look pretty sound so you kind of if you're drafting him you have to believe that those mechanics eventually are going to start producing much better results in terms of efficiency. And if the main part of his game, like drawing free throws is still working then, and the other part comes along, then you've definitely hit on a player uh, in the second round again. So uh, I'm, I'm very curious to see if that happens for Bryce McGowan's. I'm curious to hear your guys' thoughts on him too. I feel like um, not that nobody's like talking about him, but there are a lot of things that have overshadowed um, getting a, consensus first round prospect at 40th overall heading into summer league 
Yeah, I, I definitely think Bryce is, has a lot of talent. Um, I agree with you when it comes to the free throw rate. It was very, it looked very impressive, and the way he would attack the rim and adjust around the rim, it caused a lot of players to hit his hands a lot. So you know, that's a that was a big part of him absorbing body contact and just really attacking the defense. Um, I think where he's really going to where he's really going to get his bread and butter at is on the defensive end, though. I want to see improvements and strides there. I want to see a little bit more of an improvement on his three-point shot as well. But if he comes in at least with that baseline of being able to attack the rim, like you said, and being able to uh, get to the free throw line and convert on the free throw line, he will be able to at least get some some minutes and some stints. But I think he's definitely going to have to improve on the defensive end before he can hold his weight on the um, NBA floor. I think Bryce is the highest ever drafted two-way player for the Hornets. I, I need to... Check, look that up to clarify but I think that like normally guys are 40 I, I think we talked about this pre-draft chase that we think the pick the the guy they picked at 45 was going to be one of the best two-way players and I think I think Bryce is probably one of the the top the drafted two-way players of this draft I mean it wouldn't have shot me if they'd converted him to a full contract especially after the Bridges situation but I mean it'd be, he's he's one who I think would be super interesting to see down in Greensboro this season like one um you know he is he really does come across really young. I, I mean, I know he's a freshman in Nebraska, but like you see his interviews, like even his body just doesn't look like he's quite grown up yet. He still looks like he's in high school. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to see. I think Seren Kemp talking about how like they can already see his open floor scoring and his transition play. What they need to have him is his playmaking. And I think that will be the next thing for him. And, you know, growing up, he will have always been the best player on the team and he will have taken all the shots. And at Nebraska, it's the same. So seeing how he fits into the team context should be should be really interesting in Greensboro. Okay, next up, myself. Um, what am I thinking is most interesting? Let's go. Come on, we can't not talk about Mark Williams in the first part, can we? Right, Mark Williams, drafted fifteenth overall. Um, it's going to be an interesting time for Mark Williams, I think, this summer league. Um, Sorenkin said that he looked like a deer in headlights a little bit on day one, but he's really improved in days two and three and picked that up, which is definitely a good thing to see. He said he's been a really quick learner, which is important. And I think that the key thing for me is, can he play the level of defense he was doing at Duke without fouling? Because he got on foul trouble in that uh, final four matchup against UNC. And... Like we said, we know Steve Clifford, you do not foul. If you're going to be out there picking up lots of fouls, you know, over the backs, reaching in, challenging shots that you weren't ever actually going to be able to block, trying to block a shot, and then you give up offensive rebounding position, Clifford is not going to like that. So you have to be really disciplined. And I think if Mark Williams is going to get rotation minutes from day one, he has to be able to defend, make an impact without fouling as much. And I think that's really important for Mark. Um yeah. I, I, any other thoughts on Mark Williams? I love I love how Mark Williams, when he blocks shots, a lot of the time when I watch this film, and I watched a lot of Duke this season because I really like Paolo, but a lot of times when he blocks shots, he sent them into a way where the team can run in transition. And I really like when big men do that um, instead of, you know, blocking shots where nobody has a chance of getting in a ball. I think that's if he can continue doing that at the next level. And like you said, not fouling. And, you know, there's been there's been uh, people have been saying that he's going to be able to shoot the three. So I can't I can't wait to see if that's going to be something that's actually going to happen. But as long as he's able to play drop defense and he's able to, you know, switch onto the perimeter when he needs to in spots, I'll be impressed with Mark Williams. Yeah, 
The, inter- the really interesting thing for me is you, you watched Chet Holmgren in the game the other day for OKC and just dominated the game in defensive end. Even where he didn't block a shot, like guys were airballing mid-range floaters around him. Like, And the hope is, or the thought was, Mark Williams is going to have that similar level of impact, you know, with his elite size and length, literally outside of Taco Four, the, the longest guy ever recorded in combine history. Um, his ability to protect the rim at elite level in a great league in college at a high level. Um, you, you want to see that Gobert, Turner, Jarrett Allen level of impact. Now, it is worth pointing out, Gobert, Turner and Jarrett Allen, they were not elite from day one. Like the big man position learning curve seems to be a lot bigger for uh, people coming into the NBA than like guards where it's kind of similar. It's like, oh, you do pick and roll now. Well, all of a sudden you're spaced out. You're not the biggest guy on the floor anymore. Guys are much stronger, much athletic. It's, it's a much more different game, I think, for big. So it'll be interesting to see how quickly Mark Williams will adapt. Um, I I wonder if he's even going to... I don't know if he'll start. I think they might start Nick Richards, which I'm not going to lie, I would, I'd be disappointed with. But I can understand in the world of pecking orders and NBA how it goes, why that would happen. Um Okay, that's going to do us for part one. Uh, We're going to go to a quick ad break now, and then we're going to come back for part two. We're going to be talking about three more interesting things we're looking out for ahead of Summer League starting this week. Just like the NBA, the action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving away new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Not pounds, dollars. Make your first bet up to $1,000 today, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options will feel endless. Why not try out your luck at NBA Summer League? Who do you think will come out on top with number one versus number two, Paolo versus Chet? Get your bet on now. Download the DraftKings Sportbook app using the promo code TBPN. Make sure you first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes and for details. Okay, welcome back to the Hornets Draft Show. We are looking at the three most interesting things, like our Summer League. We went through three in the first half. We went through Kai Jones. We went through Mark Williams. We went through Bryce McGowans. Um, Laquan, you're back up. Over to you. So this one is going to be a little, this one's going to be slightly different because it's not going to be necessarily player related, but I'm really interested to see kind of the defensive scheme and the offensive scheme that they run. I know it's not going to be exactly how it's, you know, how it's going to be overall during the season, but I'm interested to see some of the rotations that he puts out there and some of the players that are on the court. I do know that some of that transitions down from higher up. So just seeing where the players are going to be and kind of the impact that they can make on the defensive end. I think that's where the Hornets are going to need to improve the most this season. Um, They proved last year that they could score the ball with the best of them, but really on that defensive end, I think that's where they're going to, that's where they're going to make their most bread and butter this season. So just seeing if Clifford's going to give anything to Cern camp, you know, that he can implement during the game. And um, I'm really curious to see how that's going to, you know, affect the game flow. What do y'all think about that though? Chase? I'm really looking forward to that because it's like, like you said, it's not like um, the, the coaching is going to be the exact same, but if some of it does trickle down and like last year, the Greensboro swarm played very similarly to how the Hornets played uh, both in good, both for their positives and their negatives. Like they shot a lot of threes 
Uh, sometimes they went in, sometimes they didn't. Uh, they also kind of turned the ball over a lot and didn't have a very good defense. But, you know, and Sherencamp obviously was, you know, he's he was coaching under James, the James Borrego regime. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how that adjusts in any way, uh, if at all, because, you know, he's going to have to try to meet in the middle a little bit and if he's given different direction than he was uh, last year with the Swarm. Um, and it's also, I mean, it's not the Swarm. It's, it's a little bit of a different team, too. He got a little bit of players with different skill sets. Obviously, they got Mark Williams now, too, the big rim protector that he has never really had on any team that he has coached so far. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how that goes. I feel like the coaching uh, for the Hornets and like the whole scheme that they're going to run is like one of the more exciting things. Um, I don't know if that's like good or bad uh, um, in terms of the roster construction, but the coaching is definitely up there for me in terms of like what I'm looking forward to. Well, especially because you're bringing back a similar core of players, potentially minus. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So w- when you're trying to look at, well, is this team going to be better or worse? Well, the only thing that's really changed minus bridges is the coaching. Um, I mean, let's not forget, last year, the Hornets did not win a summer league game. They went winless. Uh, it was pretty hard watching. Um, James Booknight was pretty inefficient, although he did flash some things. Kai Jones was a little bit wild at times. JT Thor was looked pretty raw out there. Um, I, I The Clifford style of ball, like limiting mistakes, should actually work really well in summer league because summer league, there are a lot of turnovers, high foul rate, um, and, and if they're able to implement that, I think it can translate to success. I know, you know, this team has been struggling so much. It would be nice to have a good summer league run. I mean, wouldn't it like getting to the, the finals or the semifinals of summer league in Vegas, some young players playing well. I think that would go a long way to repair some of the faith and some of the damage that maybe a lot of fans have had with the organization over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting situation to see develop. I think at the end of the day, where what they're going to implement out there, out there on the floor, like you said, Chase, like you said, James, it's going to trickle down to this team, even though a lot of these players are swarm players and a lot of these players are going to transition between both. What they do on the court is going to show what they're going to do during the season. So I'm really just excited to see what that's going to be. I'm really excited to see what that's going to happen. And um, I think, like you said, Mark Williams and some of these big men are going to have to make is going to have to make a difference down there. They're going to have to make a difference. Some of these big men are going to have to show up, and I think that's just simple. And I just don't want another Mo Bamba situation in Orlando where you've got this big guy who you know has got some elite tools, but maybe doesn't read the game quite as well and ends up getting buried and you never see him as much and you end up starting Ken Birch over and stuff like that. So um, I'm, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen with Mark Williams. I, I was glad to hear that Steve Clifford like went and spent two days at Duke and watched him this year. I think that gives me a, a high level of faith that, that Clifford is, is in on Mark Williams as well. Um, Chase, you're next up. What's your, we're on five out of six here. What are you next looking out for? You can't get any more niche than Bryce McGowan's, or is it about to? Oh, you you just watch me, my friend. Um, this, I mean, it's generally, it's more of just a general statement on like the point guard play of. Um, I mean, this kind of goes back to last summer league, but the last summer league team, um, the Greensboro Swarm last year, really only had one or two true point guards on the roster for pretty much the entire season, and now the summer league roster. This year has Jalen Crutcher, who was one of those point guards for the Greenbrow Swarm last year, as pretty much the only player on the team who is like a reliable offensive initiator. 
maybe you could throw LJ Figueroa or um, Tyshawn Alexander into that list. But like, let's be honest, I don't know if the Hornets are here to watch LJ Figueroa and Tyshawn Alexander initiate their offense. Probably something more they're looking to see from maybe Bryce McGowan's, but definitely from Jalen Crutcher because he is the point guard on this team right now. Uh, he's a he's a good shoot. He's more of a, he's a good scorer and good shooter, which is kind of unfortunate that he's going to be tasked with so much of just setting the table up for everybody. Uh, I mean, like how like how is Mark Williams going to get any offense if it's not Jalen Crutcher passing to him or running a pick and roll of some sort or Crutcher McGowan's one other guy? It's just it's going to be so difficult for Crutcher to do anything in terms of like hunting for his own shot uh, without like taking away from the other players on the team, which it doesn't necessarily happen when everyone can make plays because the ball just has more of a tendency to find the open man when everybody can do that. But that's not going to be the case on this Hornets team. So I'm really interested to see how he handles that because it's kind of a tough situation, but he's played, he's played like very well for a guy that I think is like a G league point guard, maybe like someone that the Hornets would be interested in bringing on a two way or a 10 day at some point. So it should be interesting, Le- I think. Laquan, you saw a lot of Crutcher last year in Greensboro. Uh, what what did you make of him? Because I think I was on this podcast, uh, you know, saying that we should we should look to call him up, especially late in the season before they signed Isaiah. I th- yeah, I was going to say I think we advocated for him to be we did. the open roster spot. But yeah, Laquan, what did you make from your time in Greensboro? Um, I really was impressed with Crutcher, and that's the thing. When I first started watching the games in Greensboro this last season, they were playing DJ Carton a lot. And, um, you know, I'm not disparaging DJ Carton at all, but I really feel like those minutes were those minutes were better filled by Crutcher. I think Crutcher was able to step into the game and he was able to manage the ball a lot better, get it up the court, actually be, you know, a playmaker that the team needed. Um, Like Chase mentioned, he was able to shoot the ball extremely well some games. Sometimes he was a little streaky. I I think Joe Cheely was able to help as well a lot when they they got Joe Cheely. But but speaking specifically on Crutcher, there was a couple of games I think I've seen where he had like 14 assists or double-digit assists. So I think he's able to get the ball around if people are hitting shots. So it'll be interesting to see him mix with that talent. I think he has – I think he definitely has some potential, Um, you know, just as a bench point guard in the league. I think he has some potential to be there one day for sure. What do we think they're doing when Crutch is off the floor for their lead ball handler? Do you think – do you think it's Bryce McGowan's time? I, I I, mean, I don't even know if there's anyone else on the roster who would remotely be a, like, it can't be Scott Lewis. That's for sure. I, I um, think it might be LJ Figueroa. Like, I'll be honest. It might be him. Because he's, I mean, he's not, he's not really a point guard, but he's like, he's like a forward sized ball handler-ish adjacent yeah. player. Like this, this is the problem. Like he's really not someone you would ever have do that, but. No. And he, he played in the GB last year for for Santa Cruz, um, yeah. uh, Figueroa, Went and had a good Oregon season. Was, yeah, it was like 16 points, six rebounds, three assists, yeah. something like that. Um, he, was, he was a good player last year. So, yeah, it, it is a bit of a question mark. I'm glad they have Crutcher because that will take care of the brunt of it. I do think they might go to just McGowan's, especially if Serenkamp's saying that they want to see him play make more. I think they might just put the ball in his hands. I think it could be rough, if I'm being honest, but... Good development opportunities for McGowan's to learn that experience. I just hope it doesn't, you know, whoever's coming off the bench or, uh, and playing with him, I just hope they're not negatively impacted too much because if you're a big with Crutcher and you're a big with McGowan's, you're going to have a much different level of offense being gifted to you at the rim uh, and get your ball in your spots. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that point guard rotation plays out. 
I, I, I seen um, my fault, James. I seen something interesting about Tyshawn Alexander as well. So I'm not sure if he's going to be somebody that's able to contribute. I've seen a little bit of highlights from him, but I'm not going to say I'm a, um, you know, I'm really experienced or expert on him. I don't know much about him. But from what I've seen, it seems like he has a nice tempo to his game. So maybe they're expecting him to be able to handle the ball as well. But he's definitely just, you know, he's not going to be able to help, you know, all together. I don't believe so. No, it's, it's a great point. And um, I think Tyson was on a two-way with the Suns. He then went to Europe this past season and didn't really catch on anywhere, went to a couple of teams. But he, w- he was like a kind of a shooting guard, like combo guard. He was a classic combo guard at Creighton. And I, I think I had him in my top 50 uh, or top 55 at one point uh, in that draft. I, I did as well. He was, like, he was one of the best defenders in that uh, draft class. Yeah. Um, so no, that's a great point. I think you're actually probably right. I think it probably will be Tyshawn behind. Um, but it's just hard because we've not really seen Tyshawn Alexander play point guard in the last 18 months or so because he's not really played that much. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Tyshawn's okay. a Charlotte guy too. So that would be that'd be fun if he ends up being good. I did not know that. Yeah. Good to know. JT Thor. My last my last guy to look out for. Um I think JT Thor's being slept on a little bit. I really do. I think everyone's excited about Kai and Mark. Um, JT Thor still, like for me, is one of the most interesting prospects in last year's draft. Um, he has got such elite defensive tools. Um, he is so big. And he was like ahead of Kai Jones in the rotation last year, which um, say what you want and you might disagree with that, but that's Brago felt that he could help more playing the four than Kai Jones last season. Um you know, he, he settled a lot for catch-and-shoot shots, I felt, when he kind of got rotation minutes. I'm, I'm hoping that I want, what I want to see from him is not just settling for three-point shots because, you know, you, you need to be able to affect the game more in an offensive manner than just being able to hit threes if you want to be more than anything just like a 10-minute role play per night. Um, and I want to see him, like, attack the rim. We saw that against Andre Drummond for his first basket where he just had that absolute monster dunk. I want to see him attack the basket more. I want to see him try and make some passing reads if he can. And then, like, for all of his size and agility and athleticism, I, I sometimes, especially when I watched him in Greensboro, I didn't always feel like the defensive presence in the game that maybe I felt with someone like Kai in the second half of the year. And I, I thought that would be, like, his what he'd hang his hat on. Like, the offense is the bonus, and JT Thor would be a great defender. Um, he was super young for that class. He essentially was, like, a bit of a Josh Primo-type pre-draft where you were drafting him really a year before he was ready for the NBA. But I think he exceeded some most expectations last year. Um, and again, his minutes could be hurt here. If Kai Jones can be starting a power forward, what are they starting JT at the three? I mean, just the, if they start JT Thor at the three, Kai Jones at the four and Mark Williams at the five, that will be the freaking biggest front court in all of the summer league, maybe history, because that would be ridiculous. It definitely would be fun. Um, I really enjoyed Thor. I enjoyed. I was. I got to see the game where he dropped thirty-four in Greensboro, and he 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 did it from every spot on the floor. He dunked on somebody. He was hitting threes from the corner. Um, you know, he cut to the rim, and that's what I think. Thor. I think Thor has to get to that more, where he has to cut to the rim, and he has to make that a point of his game. Because if he's able to open that up more and he can still space the floor, um, he, he, he didn't shoot the ball well at all, I feel like, as far as percentage-wise. But it looked good when he shot it. I think he has um, I think he has good mechanics, so I think it will develop. And I just I, – I really am, like you said, I really am looking forward to see what he can do on a defensive end. With his length and with his agility and lateral quickness, I think 
Thor will be great at deflecting shots. He'll be great at blocking shots. And um, he's shown the athleticism last year. Like you said, he's young. So I think he has a lot of room to grow and um, a lot of room to learn. Just just talking about this, what I begin to realize is this roster is not littered with great shooting. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about the guys, Mark Williams, like essentially let's just class him as a non-shooter for now. Kai Jones, who's like never shot really above 30% in Texas or on the green and swarm. Bryce McGowan's was 28% last year. JT Thor was in the 20s as well. Nick Richards, probably a 20 shooter. Scott Lewis. The spacing on this team is not going to be good. I think they could be excellent defensively. I think they could be excellent in transition. But once you get in the half court, I do have a worry about, especially like the guys who they, they all want to score inside. Kai Jones, Nick Richards, Mark Williams. That's what they all want to do. And that is a concern for me. And if this team shoots the ball well, I think they could go far and I think they would win a lot of games. But like I did a, an article on HornetsSI.com, which you should go check out. We're kind of looking at three questions that every player is looking to answer. And I feel like I could have written like must improve shooting efficiency for every single player because a lot of them seem to have that as a as a massive weakness. So yeah, will this team be able to shoot it? Will these players make a jump shooting the ball? Um, you you really want to start seeing it because by your second summer league, if you're not showing anything and you've not shown anything uh getting NBA rotation minutes, I, I know people talk about development prospects, but the, the clock starts ticking. You have to start making the jump by that second summer league. Is there anybody out of the group of players uh, that we haven't talked about yet, like the undrafted rookies or the veterans that weren't on the Greensboro Swarm last year, or Cam McGriff or LiAngelo Ball, the other two guys that um, are on the team that played for the Swarm last year, um, that interest you in any way at all? Not necessarily like to sign to the Hornets, but uh, to bring back to Greensboro or maybe give a, a two-way if that opens up at some point throughout the year? Hmm. Um, I have a name, uh, but I'm happy for you to go, Lake One, if you have one. I was going to say Cam McGriff looked really impressive. Um, his time that he spent in Portland, I think, you know, he showcased a lot of athleticism. He showcased a lot of versatility to his game. Um, I got a chance to see their dunk contest at the beginning of the year last year. And I could tell you this boy could jump out the roof. I'm, his head's above the rim, you know, consistently. So I think Cameron Grimm is somebody that could bring explosiveness to the team. Um, he could bring energy, but I'm not sure if he's going to be able to bring that shooting like James mentioned. So I think, it, you know, I think it, it would be impressive to see him in Greensboro again. And other teams are obviously looking at him. So he has talent. I can promise you I'm not doing this just for the UNC homerism. <laughs> but I, I want to see Brady Manick in Greensboro, um, mainly because the Hornets are going to probably have, you think, like one of JT, Kai, or uh, Mark Williams maybe down in the G League at some point. And I just think having a guy like that, you can space the floor so well. Um, if you're going to have Bryce McGowan's and Scott Lewis on the wings, who aren't great shooters, either of them, having somebody who can space the floor, create lanes for those guys is, is really important. And I, I don't feel like... I didn't think he'll ever be an NBA player, but let's like, I think he has a chance. Um, we've seen players who've been less productive in college make it in the NBA. And I know he's super old, like uh, for a college player, a college senior, but he had some really great games on the biggest stages against some of the really good teams. And there's a lot of things that you look at the game and you go, how can this work? But he plays hard. He plays smart. He is a very, very good outside shooter. And I just think, 
it would also help sell some tickets as well. I'm sure those uh, Greensboro Coliseum games would be a little bit uh, busier with Brady Manic in the building Lake One. So yeah, I think Brady is Brady Manic is the guy who I'd like to see maybe get a camp invite and have one of those kind of contracts exhibit tens that convert to where they go on to Greensboro. Okay, let's bring that section to a close and let's move on to just just to finish us off here. Um, some fun summer league predictions and, and to bring this to the close. Um, so I'm going to open the floor out. Someone, someone throw out, jump in with a, with a fun summer league prediction they're thinking for this year. I think um, Jello is going to have a moment. I think Jello is going to have a hot <laughs> moment. Um, just like last, last year when he hit the little half-court shot or something, I think he's going to have a moment this summer league. So I think we should look out for that. That's my fun summer league prediction right there. That's so funny. That was going to be mine too. I was going to say, cause I, he, I, I saw he's like in, in COVID protocol or something. I imagine he'll get out of that by the time summer league's over. I, it's like, you know, probably like eight days from now by the time the Hornets will play their last game. But that that's so funny. Cause that was going to be mine too. Uh, what I had written down was jello ball exits protocols drops 25 plus on six plus made threes. So <laughs> we're, if we're talking, if we're talking bold, that, that might, that might be it right there. But that would that would be really fun. I feel that would be a very enjoyable, you know, thirty to forty five minutes of our summer. I think it would. The only thing is, we then have to put up is all the people going. Oh, Why yeah, did the Hornets sign him to a contract? Yeah, you know? like, oh, wait, wave Nick Richards right now. Sign sign Jello Ball. Yeah. Um. Hey. Gone. No, I was going to say they, they're going to start telling you he playing point guard now or something. <laughs> yeah, right. We got the the Ball Brothers backcourt. Got to get the ball in his hands. What was it? What was it like the Jello Ball experience in Greensboro? Did you did you notice uh, kind of a, like a section of the crowd who were like definitely there for him when you were going to games? It was amazing. I'm not gonna lie. Um, the, the energy he brought it definitely was something. Uh, and it, I watched a lot of the players hit threes or a lot of the players warm up. But literally, yeah, sections you know sitting on the sideline of people just with cameras on him specifically. Or you know when he came into the game. Everybody in the crowd is standing up, you know, they're waiting for him to shoot the three. And I never forget, I went to one game and I was sitting down on the court. I went to one game and um, he came around. He, he just checked into the game. He came around and hit a three. And I'm talking people was like falling over in the stand, screaming, like, you know, everything. It was, it was it's a spectacle, but it's really interesting to see. It, may, it brings energy to the building. So I enjoy it. Yeah, and I'm perfectly happy with Jelly Ball being in Greensboro. I'm happy for Lamelo to have his older brother in town. Um, and he's just a good pro, like he's low maintenance guy. I, I think people have a, an expectation because he's a ball brother, but he's definitely a little bit more understated than Lamelo. Um, you know, which, which is perfectly fine. He's actually a pretty quiet guy. And I think that's something a lot of people don't realize. Um, okay. Fun one I'm going to throw out. I, I think the Hornets are going to lead summer league in defensive rebounding overall. Ooh. I, I think between Steve the signs, putting his fingerprints on the team right yeah, away. <laughs> absolutely. I, I know they say they want to play fast. And I think Lokoni made a great point earlier in how they're going to bounce that. Um, but I just know deep down Steve Clifford has in his soul that he wants the defensive rebound. And I think with Mark Williams, Nick Richards, Kai Jones, JT Thor, they are all good rebounders for their size and they're all going to get heavy minutes and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm saying Hornets are leading all of Vegas Summer League in defensive rebounding. Um, I'm hoping that's because their defense is so good, they force a bunch of bad shots and it doesn't go in, so there's more rebounds to get as well. Um, so that's that's what I'm throwing out. Chase, uh, what else you got? 
Um, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, other than my my Jello ball one, I don't know. I, I'm looking forward to just. I'm I'm a weirdo and a and a sick person, so I'm looking forward to watching like the undraft, like Justin Manaya and Isaiah Whaley or something like that. I'm I'm very curious to see how these like fringe top 150 prospects uh, pan out in the summer league and how they look because. I mean, like you said about rebounding, like they, they are both extremely strong rebounders. And those are guys that like might not even be playing every game. So it's like no matter what happens, no matter who comes off the bench, it seems like they're 6'6 six, six to 6'8 six, and over 200 pounds and a very strong rebounder and defender. So it's it might not make for the most like um, like highlight real friendly team, like what we're used to seeing from the Hornets in Vegas. But they will definitely be frustrating to play against, which I think that that's a fun change of pace from what they've been the last couple of years. Yeah, I definitely. You got sorry. Uh, come. No, I was going to say, I, just to throw one last one out there, since we was tossing one more out there, I definitely want to see, a, um, I definitely expect to see a big game from Kai Jones as well. So I want to see him do plus 25, double digit rebounds, uh, you know, maybe get some blocks, like you said, Chet was getting out there and um, really just affect the game on all levels. So, and hopefully I get to see a step back three that game. So. Okay. I've got a couple of others, which I got locked and loaded. Um there's always something that happens in summer league that you don't expect, right? There's always, there's always, always, always seems to go the horn. It's like Devontae Graham exploded, Miles Bridges exploded, Cody Martin came out of nowhere. I'm, I'm going that by the end of summer league, people are going to be clamoring for Nick Richards to be in the rotation, which I think right now people want nothing less than Nick Richards just to be benched so they can see Mark Williams because ooh new shiny, like ooh so big and tall, uh, but. Nick Richards actually looked okay at the start of last season when he was getting some run. And he is going to be part of the Summer League squad. He's got the most experience of anyone there. And it wouldn't shock me if he like played a couple of games and then maybe shut it down after two if he, if he plays well um, to also give some more playing time. But I, I just have this funny feeling that out of all of this, we're going to talk about all these guys and then people are going to come back to you. And Nick Richards looked pretty good. Like he's been, he's been here all along. He's still there, even though he looks like the odd man out every time you look at a rotation, I just feel like he might work his way in there. Um, I feel like the staff might like him. Is he a, a too good for summer league candidate? I think. I mean, can you be too good when you've not been able to get a rotation for two years? I, let, let's hope so. If he's made a jump, he might be. And that would be a great, a great situation to have. I think he deserved more minutes. I think he deserved more minutes last year. He was on the team and short stints. He was playing very well. And um, there was a lot of times where he was providing an offensive punch. Even sometimes when Plumlee was a little bit out of it, Nick Richards would come in and he was actually uh, given a punch. So I think we have to see what he got. Like you said earlier, it gets to a certain point where you're, you have to sink or swim. You've been in the summer league too long. So you're either going to have to show something or you're going to have to go. So we're going to see what he got. Okay, my last one here is, I'm throwing out, this is brave, folks. We're going to win one game. One game. We have to win one because we can't go two years in a row with this many young players and go winless. I mean, they play the Pacers on Friday, the Lakers on Sunday, the Cavs on Wednesday, and the Bulls on Thursday. If I want to get really bold, I actually think they could win three out of four of those games because I think the Pacers are the best team. In terms of young talent, Ben Matherin, Isaiah Jackson, you know, spearheading that team. 
you then got the Lakers, who I just watched them in the uh, California Classic. That team is not particularly good. You've got the Cavaliers. You've got like Ochai, Obaji, and Isaiah Mobley. Um, not Evan Mobley, his brother, Isaiah Mobley, who they drafted this year. And then you've got the Bulls roster, who which has like got like Marco Simonovic. Um, I don't even think um, I don't even think the guy they drafted last year from Illinois. Oh, I'm mind blanking now. Come I, on, know. No, I, I assume he's not playing. Yeah, no. I assume he's not on the roster. I don't know why, but so they've got like McCurr, Maker, Colleague Jones, Justin Lewis, your guy Chase, Dalen Terry. But it, they're not playing like teams that have got stacked, loaded of sophomores like if you actually look at the rosters i think charlotte has a better roster than maybe all those teams outside of maybe indiana um so i think they can actually have a strong showing um but like i'll take one win because like last time i went to the hornets to watch them against boston they got blown out so i'd love to see them beat the lakers because that would have been the first time i've seen a charlotte team of any sort win a game in person so so that's what i'm hoping for I love it. I love it. I definitely think that there's going to be some improvements that need to be made all around. But some of these, some of these, uh, like you said, some of these players are on the fringe of this team. I'm just excited to see Amal James, to be honest with you. Some of these players are on the fringe. Like you, you mentioned um, Isaiah Whaley Chase. That's somebody that I think a name that we haven't mentioned, um, his connection with Book Knight and things like that. I think this team you know, it's going to be fun to watch because of some of these fringe players, but they're not going to win many games. So I think that's kind of the give and take of it. Um, I think they would have won more games if Book Knight was playing, but unfortunately mm. he's not. Um, I'm no, a, I, I think, I think that scoring punch that it would have been so useful. If they had Book Knight, I would have been feeling really positive. I, I hope he still goes to Vegas and he's around the team. I hope that'd be the case. Exactly. Exactly. Because and, and in the ball handling as well too. So, you know, the scoring punch, the ball handling, he would have been able to provide this team something. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting one, but hopefully they at least have fun out there, shoot threes, and play defense. That's what I want to see. Okay, and we don't have to wait that much longer. They get uh, under, they get underway on Friday, the eighth of July, against the Pacers. Um, we're all really excited. It's going to be exciting that we can actually talk about real basketball that happened again, not theoretically what could happen, how this might look like. The next guys, the next time you guys come on. You're going to get to talk about this. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to listen in. Um, I will, uh, I'll send you my thoughts, my scouting notes from attending in person. Um, but yeah, I'm pumped to get out there. I'm pumped to see this team. Um, I love Summer League. Such a fun time of year. Great time of year. So Chase, uh, Laquan, thank you for coming on. Laquan, thank you for stepping in for me while I'm away. Um, and yeah, let's let's get at it. Summer League. Let's let's see some of these young prospects because we need them to step up this year. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate y'all for having me on again. Excited for this summer league. All right. Thanks, Laquan. Uh that's it from me. I will next speak to you next, probably in August. Uh so uh thanks for everyone who's wished me well on my travel so far. I'm still looking for recommendations for the West Coast. So hit me up on Twitter if you have any um and i'll i'll still be online um i'm just not gonna be creating content for the time but thanks for all the support chase i will see you in august um yeah see everyone soon see you soon my friend listeners stay tuned me and uh me and laquan are gonna have some really good summer league podcasts for you